gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 4. Glory to you, O Lord. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teacher teaching because his word had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away. We know what you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders of impure spirits, and they come out? And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because this is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I pray that the scripture would enlighten the hearts and your minds to know the height and the breadth and the width and the depth of the love of God that he has for you in his son Jesus. Amen. Our sermon today comes from our gospel reading of, of Luke. And in the 1980s, there was a rock band called Missing Persons. And they had a hit song, and part of the lyrics goes like this. What are words for when no one listens anymore? What are words for when no one listens what are words for when no one listens? It's no use talking at all. Do you hear me? Do you care? Do you hear me? Do you care? You know, sometimes I recite this jingle to my students because after I get done giving explicit instructions on what they're supposed to be doing, they say, Mr. Gallagher, what are we supposed to do? 
However, words do have meaning. They have meaning when a teacher gives instructions. They have meaning when a police officer pulls you over and says, may I see your driver's license and registration. They have meaning when a firefighter tells you that you must evacuate now. Words have meaning when you stand before a judge and he orders you to pay a fine or sentences you to some time in jail or prison. Nonetheless, God's words are authoritative. After the northern ten tribes of Israel were conquered by the Assyrians, God commissioned Jeremiah to speak to the two remaining tribes, particularly Judah, who would later be captured by, conquered by the Babylonians. And God spoke to Jeremiah with authority when he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. You see, <clears throat> Jeremiah responded by stating that he doesn't know how to speak and that he is just a youth. And of course, at this point, God could have said, well, it was just a suggestion. You know, I'm just a life coach. No, the Lord did not entertain Jeremiah's excuses, but he exercises his authority as well as his encouragement. The Lord responded and said, do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Therefore, by God's own authority, he touched Jeremiah's lips with his words to tear down the nations and to build them up. The kings, princes, priests, and all the people might fight against you, but I, the Lord, will deliver you by my authority. And in our gospel reading this morning, we read about Jesus demonstrating his authority over demon-possessed people and people who were sick. His disciples and his followers would know this is why he did this so that his disciples and his followers would know that he was the Messiah, the chosen one. And so Jesus arrived in Capernaum, a city in Galilee, to teach in the synagogue. And Jesus' teaching was far superior than anybody else's teaching had ever been. Luke recorded, they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. 
the closest thing that you have today is faithful pastors to proclaim the good news of Jesus and to proclaim the good news that Jesus died and rose again for you. To announce to you through word and sacrament that you have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. You've been washed in your baptism and you are fed here at the altar to nourish and strengthen you. And while Jesus was in the synagogue, there was a demon-possessed man and Jesus ordered the demon to come out of him. And interestingly enough, the demons knew who he was. You might think about that for a minute. How did they know who he was? Well, they knew him in heaven before they were cast down to this earth to wreak havoc on this earth. And the demons responded and said, let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. You see, Jesus told them to be quiet because his time to go to the cross had not yet come. The people of the synagogue, they were amazed, weren't they? They were amazed the fact that these spirits listened to Jesus. By his authority, he commanded them to come out. And the people reacted. What is this message? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And after Jesus leaves the synagogue, he arrives at Simon's mother-in-law's house. Simon's house, and his mother-in-law is very sick and running a fever. And the disciples ask Jesus to heal her. And Luke documented this morning, and standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she immediately got up and waited on them. You see, when we have the flu, it might take a couple days to recover. We might not get our appetite back for three or four days. Or maybe when somebody has an epileptic seizure, it might take them three or four days to recover. However, Simon's Mother-in-law immediately got up and served them. And we can infer from this text that she got up and she started serving appetizers and beverages and a full-course meal. 
And notice, she got up and served them with no ill effect. It appears that right after her healing, all her vitamin counts were perfect. There were no signs of diabetes. There was no high cholesterol. No, by Jesus' authority, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was completely healed. And later, Jesus pronounced that I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogue of Judea. And Jeremiah too, wasn't he sent to preach to all of Judah? He said, they, God said, they will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you. And we too have been given this great commission to go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And just as those who have gone before us, who suffered persecution and resistance, we also are to go out as sheep among wolves. By our Lord's authority, we have been given the keys of the kingdom to either loose or bind here on earth. If they hear our message, we are to sup with them and make disciples. Yet if they reject us, we brush the dust off our feet and move on. How are we to do this, you might ask? In love. We do it in love. If we do not do it in love, our message is but a clanging gong and a, a clanging a gong and a clanging cymbal. You know, social media is brutal in this way. Because you can just hide behind a screen. People often post things just to hear their own voice or to be right and win an argument. Sometimes they think they're the only dog and pony show in town. And how often do we engage in some of these same types of things how often do we debate just to show off our theological superiority? How frequently do we engage just to prove that we are right? How many times do we, just like the sound of our own voice, in person and on the internet? And Paul says, this shouldn't be because love is patient and kind, and long-suffering. Love doesn't brag, nor is boastful, nor arrogant. Love rejoices in righteousness, truth, and endures all types of sufferings. Therefore, love 
never fails. In Greek, there are six different words for love. In English, we only have one word. But this word that Paul uses here is the greatest of all the words for love. It's agape love. It's the unconditional love. The unconditional love that God demonstrated here for you on the cross at Calvary. That by his mercy, you are now freed from your sins. You are now freed to go out and preach the message to a dying and decaying world. Therefore, this unconditional love for you was publicly displayed for you here on the cross. And by the Father's will, and by His authority in His own Son. Listen to these words from the Gospel of John. For I did not speak my own, by my own initiative, but the Father Himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say. And what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore the things I speak. I speak just as the father has told me. For this reason the father loves me. Because I lay down my life. So that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me. But I lay it down by, on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. And as Jeremiah was given authority this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and overthrow, and to build and to plant. You see, God here in your baptism has plucked down and destroyed sin for all eternity. It no longer has dominion over you. You have now been made a slave of righteousness. And as Jeremiah was commissioned to build up and to plant, God, in a moment here, this morning is going to plant his bread and his wine on your lips to reassure you that you are his. Here at the baptismal font, by his authority, 
he has deemed you a new creation in him. By his authority, he promises to be here at the altar. He promises to be at the table each and every Sunday. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. As a called and ordained servant of his word and by his authority. I announce to you the full forgiveness of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>